Cold War. And it's this amazing story of all his little adventures of faith and the, and the way that he placed bold faith in God and God provided for him throughout the whole story. Now early on in the book, he's at this missionary training school in Scotland getting ready to go on the mission field. And as part of the training, the school seeks to, to test their faith, to give them some ways to test their faith, to get them to rely on God in all circumstances. Because in life in general, but especially on the mission field, you need to be able to trust deep down that you know God's going to take care of you. And so what the school did is they said, we're going to send you out to do ministry amongst the young people in Scotland, but we're not going to let you ask for any of the material needs you need in order to do the ministry. So they, they set up this test for them so that they would rely on God for everything. And so one day they're building some relationships with a group of students in Edinburgh who don't know Jesus. And they say, hey, we got a great idea. You guys should come to a tea party we're going to host tomorrow. And they were like, yeah, that would be great. We'd love to go to a tea party. And so they, they, they say, okay, we'll meet tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And then the, the students leave and Brother and Andrew and his friends gather around and they say, well, we don't have any, anything for tea party. What are we going to do? And so they scrounge up all the money that they have because they're not allowed to ask other people. They scrounge up everything that they have and they buy the tea, the sugar, the cream, the butter, everything that they need for the tea party. They rent out the hall. And then later that night, they're up late praying about the tea party the next day, and they all, all of a sudden remember the cake. And now, if you know anything about Scottish tea parties, it's really not even a tea party if you don't have the cake. And they don't have the cake. And so they're faced with this question, do we trust God that he's going to provide for us this cake, which they're pretty pricey? Or do we turn to our own devices and ask people for help, even though we're not supposed to? It is, you know, come on. Or do we try to, you know, send, send a letter home and say, hey, we need help? So they're faced with the test. In our reading today, in Genesis, Abram is faced with his first big test. We learn that Abraham let go of his country, his family, to lay hold of the promises that God had for him, that God would make for him a great nation. And so he sets off and he goes to Canaan. But he finds there that the promised land is actually a famine land. There's a huge famine in the land. And so Abram has his first big test. Does he trust God? And the the missionary training, the people in the missionary training school, and we'll get back to that story at the end, so if you're like, why'd you leave us hanging? We'll get back there. Um, but they were faced with a lighthearted test. They had to trust God, even though the stakes weren't very high. But Abram was, was it was a real-life test. His family could die of starvation. And all of us, at certain times in our, our life, are tested. Our faith is tested. And the famine in Abraham's life, the reason that, that there was a test was because Abram lived in a fallen world. The creation fell. Other people fell. So there's a shortage. And it's important to remember that the tests in our life, it's not like God's sitting up there saying, you know what, Dan's doing pretty well right now. Test, famine for you. That's not, that's not how God works. Tests happen because we live in a fallen world. 
There's a shortage of jobs, and so we may lose our jobs. Sickness and disease comes. Financial hardships come, all because we live in a fallen world. And the byproduct of that is it causes us It causes to test the muster of our faith. What kind of faith do we have? Because we may know in our head, God is the provider of all things. Yes, I believe it. I'll stand in the congregation and praise God as the provider of all things. But then when we lose our job, then that that, uh, idea is tested. Do we really believe he's going to provide for us? So today in the sermon, the question is this. When our faith is tested, how do we get strength to trust God? And secondly, what happens when our faith fails? What happens when the test comes and we blow the test? What does God think about us then? So, we're going to be looking at this in this story. So, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis 12. Verse 10 through 20 is where we are. Genesis 12. This story addresses those very real questions that we have in the midst of the tests that come our way. So in the passage, we see three acts. That's going to be the structure of the sermon. The first act is the test itself. That comes in verses 10, verse, just, just in verse 10. He says, Abraham let go of his country. We know that, and we know Abraham, if you know anything about your ancient Near Eastern history, Abraham left Ur and Haran, which were in what was called the Fertile Crescent. Which, that would be a hard place to leave behind. It's called the Fertile Crescent. And then he goes to Canaan. And there he finds, as soon as he gets into land, he's wandering around, there's a famine. And famine means that there's no water. Which means that the the food shortage will be shrinking. Which means imminent starvation for his family, as well as his flocks. And so, now if you remember last week, God made a promise to Abram though. God said, I will bless you. Now, the blessing we talked about had to do with fertility, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to be talking about the blessing of prosperity, that God will provide for all of his needs. So God said, if you go into the land, I will provide for all of your needs. But when faith faced with famine, Abraham, faith wavers. He falls into fear. And what I want to propose to you guys is that in our lives, there is a direct correlation between faith and fear. That as our faith goes up, as as our faith goes up and increases in God, our fear generally goes down. Our anxiety in life goes down. But when hard things happen and our fear goes up, generally our faith in God begins to decrease and shrink. And so every time we experience some sort of fear or anxiety in life, we're posed with a choice. Do we choose to believe that God loves us and he's promised these good things for us? Or do we choose to go our own way? So Abram gets worried. And so he does what Americans love to do. He solves the problem. Verse 11 says, So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was great in the land. Good old resourceful Abraham, right? God helps those who help themselves. That's not a Bible verse in case you're wondering. Um, In fact, the gospel is that, just a fun fact. um, The gospel is that God helps those who admit that they cannot help themselves. But Abraham doesn't go the way of the gospel. He says, I'm going to help myself. Solves the problem. And he goes down to Egypt. Because Abram knows 
In Egypt, there's this great river called the Nile that overflows every single year. Abraham, uh, Egypt is where all of the people went during famines. And so Abraham goes there. He knows that. What's the problem, though? It seems like a logical thing to do. But there's a little problem because God didn't actually tell him to go to Egypt. So God, God doesn't say anything to Abram, so he says, I'm going I'm to make my own way. One of the commentators, Kent Hughes, says this. His going to Egypt was not so much an intentional sin as a reflective, a reflexive turn to his own devices. So Abraham's faith in God starts failing at the very beginning of his journey. But that's just the beginning of his problems here. Act one is the test. But now comes act two, which I'm going to call the mess. He gets himself into some trouble. And so, just for fun, I want to pretend like we are a fly on the wall listening to this marital conversation between Abraham and Sarah. So, they're coming into Egypt. And Abraham looks over at Sarah and says this. I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. You can hear Sarah over there like, Abraham, you think so? Really? And Abraham goes on. He says, And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. And Sarah's over here. Oh, stop it, Abraham. Come on. You're too kind. And then, he continues, Then they will kill me. But they will let you live. So say that you are my sister. What? What are you talking about, Abraham? What are you, so, then he goes on, it may, that, it may, that it may go well with me because of you, that my life may be spared for your sake. Wow, such a sacrificial husband, isn't he? <laughs> and that's all we get in this story. My guess is probably they talked for a couple hours, and finally Sarah was like, okay, Abram, I'll go with your plan. It seems pretty stupid. But, um, so... Here we get the mess. He arrives in Egypt. His faith increases more. Or his fear increases more. Forgive me. His fear increases more because he is in the land of the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh is a powerful man. The Pharaoh gets what he wants and he destroys what he wants. And again, Abram doubts another one of the promises of God. God said, go and I will bless those who bless you And I will dishonor those who curse you. Remember last week, God said, if you go into the land, I will protect you. But Abram's fear of Pharaoh is greater than his fear of God. His fear increases and his faith decreases. So in verse 10, Abram flees to Egypt. And his faith in God as provider for him. And his faith in God as protector over him begins to shrink. And what we see is when, when Abram leaves behind and, and says, I'm going to go to the land, I'm going to go to uh, Egypt, it's kind of just he's, uh, his faith is failing a bit. But when he goes to Egypt and he tells his wife, you're my sister, let's tell, let's tell Pharaoh that, it's actually active disobedience. It's actually unfaithfulness. He's lying. And so we see that when we turn to our own devices, the mess grows bigger. 
And we see this in our lives all the time. When our finances grow tight, instead of saying, God, help me, provide for me, we turn to our own devices, maybe cheat a little bit on our taxes, or cut a couple corners in our business. Or if our work isn't going well, we throw other people under the bus. Lack of faith turns to unfaithfulness. Or if there's a problem or a conflict in our family, instead of immediately turning to God and saying, God, give me wisdom, give me patience, give me help, we try to control the situation. And we oftentimes make it worse. Or we hurt those around us. And so lack of faith turns to unfaithfulness in our lives and in Abraham's life. So then let's look at how the mess unfolds, starting in verse 14. Abram entered Egypt, and the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. So Sarah is 65 years old, but she is an aged beauty. She must have been one of those timeless beauties. And so, so all the Egyptians say, wow, this, this woman is beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. See, Abram underestimated the beauty of his wife. And it turns Pharaoh's head. Pharaoh sees her and says, I want her. Because that's what powerful men do. And it says, the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. So Sarah ends up in Pharaoh's house. And by Abram's unfaithfulness, it actually throws all the promises of God into jeopardy. Think about it. God has promised to make Abram a great name. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to have a great reputation. But now Abram's name and integrity is in jeopardy because he's, a, he's now a liar. Is he going to be found out? God has promised to make Abram a great numerous nation with many descendants. And now the mother of that nation is in the harem of Pharaoh. Is in Pharaoh's house now. And her honor, honor and her purity is now in jeopardy. Then on top of all that, to add injury to insult, you would think, you know, maybe Abram must be crying and suffering and he maybe got enslaved. But this is what Abram's doing. In verse 16, it says, And for Sarah's sake, Pharaoh dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. And so Abram is getting rich on his deceit. Dirty dog. And so in Abram's big, first big test of faith, he fails. His faith wavers, then he turns to unfaithfulness. He starts lying to cover his tracks. So we see the test, act one. Abram fails the test. Act two is the mess. That's the mess that Abram's made. So let's look at act three. The question then, the tension that's raised in this text is this. So Abram's faith in God's promises fail. His faith fails. And the question is now, but will God keep his promises? Abram's broken his faith in God. Will God now break his relationship with Abraham? Let's read what happens in verse 17. But the Lord. In those powerful words, but the Lord. In the midst of our unfaithfulness, but the Lord. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, 
What is this you've done to me? Why, have you, why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister that, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram doubted that God was his provider. He doubted that God was his protector. Yet, in spite of Abram's failing faith and his unfaithfulness to God, God keeps his promises to Abram. God protects Sarah and Abram from Pharaoh, delivering them and Sarah's purity and honor from Pharaoh. He protects them. He keeps his promises to do that. And not only that, God provides for Abraham, delivering him with all of the newly acquired flocks. Abraham breaks faith. God keeps his promises. So though Abram's faith failed, God was faithful. So act one was the test. Act two was the mess. But act three is about God's faithfulness. So what about in our lives then? What happens when our faith fails? In our lives, we're going to stand firm in some tests. But in other tests, most likely your faith is going to fail. You're going to be exposed as faithless. You're going to fall in a temptation. You're going to turn to your own devices. So how do we know that God will be faithful to us? Yeah, yeah, Abram was his chosen man. So of course he's faithful to Abram. But how do we know he's faithful to us? even when we're not faithful to him. And this is where the gospel comes in. And you might be wondering, because as you can tell, this series is called Genesis, the gospel according to Abraham. Now how are you going to tell the gospel from Abraham's lack of faith? How are you ever going to tell about the goodness of what Christ has done from the idiocy of Abraham? Well, think about Abraham's story. In the beginning of Abraham's journey, he faces a famine. And he faces a foe. He faces Pharaoh. And Abram fails. Think about Jesus' life. In the very beginning of his ministry, he faces a famine. He's driven into the wilderness where there's no food or water. And he faces a foe, Satan. Far more powerful than Pharaoh was. And there he's tempted. And think about it. Right off the bat in Jesus' ministry, he was tempted to be his own provider. Satan said, hey, you're hungry? Take those stones. Turn them into bread. Be your own provider. Be your own man. But he didn't do it. Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do it. It's the word of God that is my food. See, Abraham failed, but Jesus was faithful. And then at the end of the temptation, Jesus was tempted to throw himself off of the temple, remember? Satan was saying, hey, God's going to protect you. Throw yourself off the temple. The angels, they, they will bear you up. But Jesus didn't take the bait. He said, no. I'm not going to put the Lord, my God, to the test. Where Abram failed, Jesus was faithful. See, Christ is the true man of faith. 
So if your faith is wavering, if you're in the midst of a trial and it's stretching you, if you're in the midst of a temptation and you're afraid, I think I'm going to fall into it, cry out to the man of faith. Call out to Christ. He's the one who's overcome every temptation, every trial, every test. He's the perfect man of faith. And he's got his arms outstretched to you saying, come to me for help. On your own, you will never be able to do it. But if you come to me, I will give you strength. The weak and the faithless are made strong in the presence of the true faithful man, Jesus Christ. But what about when we not just lack faith, but when we, but when we become unfaithful? When we sin and we turn against God, we find ourselves in a mess. And Satan's there whispering, saying, you are unfaithful to God. He is not going to be faithful to you. God doesn't care about you because you didn't follow him the way you were supposed to. What about then? Does our sin cut us off from God's faithfulness as Christians? Now think back to Abram's story. Abram was unfaithful. And that put his bride at risk. But Christ, by his faithfulness on the cross, redeems us. Because we are the unfaithful bride. We are Abram. We put ourselves, our families at risk in our sin. And Jesus says, I'm the faithful one and I'll enter into your unfaithfulness and redeem you and call you back. Because Jesus was crucified for every test that we failed for every temptation that we fell into, for every time that we said we want to be our own provider, we want to be our own protector. That's why he died for our unfaithfulness. So how can we know that God will be faithful to us even when we're unfaithful? How can we know? Because Christ the faithful one took our unfaithfulness on himself. He died for all those ways that we were unfaithful so that he could present us to God the Father as spotless, and faithful. Do you see the gospel? The beauty of what Christ has done for us. The faithful one became unfaithfulness for us so that we could be presented to God as faithful and perfect and spotless. So do you have faith in Christ? Or are you still relying on yourself? Are you trying to work hard to be faithful but doing it apart from the faithful man. And my admonition, my encouragement to you is cry out to the man of faith. Ask him for help. Because in Christ, even when we're unfaithful, Christ is faithful. So then the question is, what about us? What do we do with this sermon? We've seen that God is faithful in the midst of our unfaithfulness. But this week, how do we apply it to our lives? Because God doesn't want to just leave it there and say, okay, I'm fine with you being unfaithful for the rest of your life. He wants us to grow in faith. And so the fourth act in this drama, there is a fourth act. I didn't tell you about it. But the fourth act is us, our faith being played out. And so I want to offer to you two things to do this week. First is this, take stock of your faith. Think about where you are right now. Where's that fear level? Where's that anxiety level in your life? 
And this is an arbitrary number, but I want you to do it to get, have some tangibleness to it. I want you to pick a number. One to ten. One being I have no, almost no faith at all. Ten being I'm really strong in my faith. Pick where you are on that spectrum. Just to see where am I. What ways are you looking to your own resources and to your own ingenuity to solve your problems? Whether it be finances or family or friendships, all these different areas, have you followed Abram's path and saying, I'm going to handle it, God, on my own? Or are you saying, I'm going to place my faith in Christ and look to him for direction? So one to ten, figure out where you are. And the second thing is, what would it look like to place your faith in Christ a little bit more this week? What would it look like if you're at a three? What would it look like to move to a place of five? Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step of faith and I'm going to ask him to provide for me. I'm going to ask him to protect me. So this week, I want you to spend 30 minutes bringing your fears to God. Whatever it is that's, that's scaring you right now in your life, spend 30 minutes and bring them to God and asking him to give you faith, to trust in him in the midst of that fearful situation. Because even when our faith fails, God is faithful. You have an ever-present help in trouble in Christ. And so to finish, I want to, to end with this story of the missionaries. That night, they realized they had no cake. And this is what they did. They said, okay, we can either choose to provide for ourselves or we can trust in Christ. And the book reads this. It says, that night in our evening prayer time, we put the matter before God. They brought it to God. They spent 30 minutes talking to God about their fear of not having cake. And they says, Lord, we've got ourselves into a spot. From somewhere, we've got to get a cake. Will you help us? And the story continues. The morning arrives. And the mailman comes. And they rip open all the letters. There's no money in the letters. And then... A woman from the church comes by and says, Hey, is there anything I can help with? And cake's like on the tip of their tongue. They just want to say, Can you go buy a cake? But they know they're not allowed to ask. So they say, Okay. Nope. It's in God's hands. He's got this. And then, three o'clock comes. They set the tables in the hall. 3.30 comes. They put the water on to boil. 3.45 comes. Their faith is growing paper thin. Then there's a knock at the door. True story. There's a knock at the door. And the mailman's there. And he said, it's actually past delivery time, but I think that this is a perishable item. And I hate to leave perishable items overnight. So I wanted to bring it to you guys. And they're like, okay, great. And so they, they take it from them. And it's for Andrew. It just says for Andrew on it. They haven't told anybody. They're not allowed to tell anybody about their needs. It's been something that was shipped two nights ago. And so they take off the cord, take off the wrapping paper, and it's just a white box. And they all gather around and open up the box. And inside is a ginormous, moist, perfect chocolate cake. In their lives, in Abraham's life, and in our lives, even when our faith is failing, 
God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with each person in this room. Whether their faith is at zero, at one, at two, wherever their faith is, Lord, I pray that you would come and show them that you are faithful, that you are with them. And Lord, I ask this week that each person in this room would say no to their fear and say yes to you. And come and meet them this week. Show them that you are faithful this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.